Petey Williams, we have the Young Bucks coming up here in a second, but first let's talk about Blue Chew. I want to get this out of the way. Blue Chew has been one of our favorite sponsors here. I am an avid user of Blue Chew, although uh, you Young Buck, Petey Williams, you don't need it just yet, but I, I'm telling you, you need to get on this Blue Chew. I love it. It's the first chewable tablet that enhances your bedroom experience. It's made from the same FDA ingredients as Cialis and Viagra. It's a chewable, so that means it works twice as fast. You know, Pete, you know what you and I are? We're curtain jerkers. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Well, I'm a curtain jerker. You're a mid-carter in the Young Bucks. Okay. Are main eventers, right? I, I guess we could say it like that. I use Blue Chew to get to the main event status in my bedroom. Well, I mean, the Young Bucks, I mean, I wonder if they use Blue Chew. I mean, are they always going to be the Young Bucks? Are they going to be the Old Bucks one day? No. If they use Blue Chew, they'll always be the Young Bucks main For, event. Forever Young in my mind, Pete. <laughs> forever Young. That should be a song. It is. Anyways. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> anyways, go to BlueChew.com. Use the promo code WPP. You get your first order for free. You just pay $5 for shipping and handling. Look, I know what that $5 means. It means this month you're not going to get your Young Bucks pin or your Young Bucks hat. Or you may have to pass up on a Young Bucks shirt. But look, those things will still be there. This, Blue Chew, they come and go. The, you, you see them advertise on all these different wrestling podcasts. They'll advertise hot and heavy for a month and then disappear for three months and then come back to that podcast. They're sticking around with us. And that's because we have nice, loyal fans that may not even need Blue Chew, but they're like, hey, you know what? It's five bucks. I support PD and Dennis. I'm going to go off and do that. So go spend your five bucks. It's the holiday season. What You know what, PD? Let me ask you a question. What do you get the guy who has everything except a great sexual experience? Uh, probably Blue Chew. A Nintendo Switch. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, Blue Chew. So, ladies, if you're listening, get your man the Blue Chew. Make him feel like a main eventer in bed. Men, look, are you tired of feeling like the third member of Demolition, Axe, Smash, and Crush? You don't have to no longer be the third member of Demolition or the third member of Legion of Doom. Remember that whole gimmick? Uh, who was the – oh, yeah, Draws. I remember that. Oh, so no, okay. So don't be the third member of any group. Be the first member. Be the leader. Be your own Triple H in bed. You don't have to put anybody over anymore with Blue Chew because huh, when you're done, you always come out on top. Hey, did you like that? Yeah, you always come out on top. Is that their catchphrase, or that's as, mine? Did you make that up? I just made oh, that okay. up. All right, <laughs> they're good. <laughs> All right. So, and by the way, speaking of uh, buying shirts, you can go to whatforapparel.com backslash wpp. Uh, where our store is quickly growing. We added a new shirt up there, and there will be another one coming up here in a, in a day or two. Uh, just jokingly, Pete. I threw out a tagline that said, you know, get these mics, right? I, I I didn't know if you thought that was cute or funny or clever. Or yeah, no, that that's clever. Like, get these hands, get these mics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's quick. It's easy. Um, it, kind of like Blue Chew. It's, and uh, <laughs> or we're off Blue Chew. Right we're now, off right? Blue Chew. We're off. We but everything's, set up for, we're everything's set up for it. So. 
but uh, you could go to whatifapparel.com backslash WPP. There are two, uh, there are two uh, NWO-style shirts, one with a mic, one kind of Canadian-ish, which someone bought a hoodie, by the way. Thank you guys so much. This week, there's going to be a Get These Mics shirt popping up in our store. Ooh, so we need to get these mics. Get these shirts is what it should say. Get <laughs> these shirts. Send my kid to college. That's our next one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired of working. Help me retire shirt. Yeah, exactly. My, I need my pension. Uh, and, pension shirt. And we have our fan phone number, 231-930-2053. Pete, like I said, here in a few minutes, the Young Bucks are about to show up or get them both at the same time. I'm excited for this, but there are a few burning issues that I want to talk to you about before we kind of jump into this podcast. For a couple okay. a couple podcasts before, you've mentioned how excited you were to talk about the Thanksgiving Day episode. It aired. It actually got a ton of viewership. Uh, first and foremost, let's let's just talk about the the suit itself because when you were in Las Vegas. And I don't know yeah. if I've told the story on this podcast, but uh, Disco Inferno lives out there, and I'm I'm a huge Disco Inferno fan. I've I'm self. Oh, who isn't? I I love Disco. I'm self admittedly. I even so much that I went out there from work, and he's a bouncer at a popular uh, adult club out there. It's it's mm-hmm. widely known. So I I went to this adult club looking for him, not for the women. Looking for Disco Inferno. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't there, and there was a mix-up where a waitress or a bartender tried to not bartender, but a uh, adult dancer tried to take me into the VIP area and get me for like nine hundred dollars. But that uh, that's no bueno on my part. But anyways, I didn't get to meet him when you were in Las Vegas. I sent you a text that said, "Hey, is Disco Inferno around?" And you never replied. And boom. The Thanksgiving Day episode, there he is. I didn't reply? No. Uh-huh. I, well, I, I must have been busy. And we talked since then. I mean, you could have just asked me, like, hey, man, you didn't reply. Because I don't always reply to everything. Uh, I, I mean, it, it just, when I'm working, I'm working. I mean, I don't mean to take Fabio or but anything it was like great that. that. But, yeah, no, Disco is there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was happy that you didn't in the end because I was surprised watching the Thanksgiving Day show that Disco Inferno pops up. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that came to be that Disco was on the show? Yeah, so uh, Sanjay, who writes you know, the, primarily the show, um, we were in uh, New York uh, for Bound for Glory and stuff, and he, said, he just said to me, uh, hey, you're never going to guess who's... Uh, or maybe I asked him, I said, hey, we're still doing the, the, the Thanksgiving episode coming up in Vegas. He goes, yes. Because I asked about how many, you know, shows we're filming and stuff. And he said, this many plus the Thanksgiving episode. And I said, oh, I said, who's wearing the turkey uh, outfit this year? And he says, oh, it's a surprise. And I'm like, uh, can I guess? He's like, whatever he said. I said, is it anybody here today? He's like, nope, nobody here today. Nobody currently on our roster. And I'm like, ooh, okay. And uh, I said, has he ever worked here before? He's like, yes. So immediately, I don't know why I always say Amazing Red for everything. I said, Amazing Red. He goes, no, it's not red. And uh, I was trying to guess some. I don't remember all the other names, I guess. And then he says, stop, stop. I'm not not saying yes or no to any others. Just stop. It's going to be a surprise for you. And I'm like, come on, I got to know because I want to know. And I didn't even think of, you know, us being in Vegas, 
what local guys would be there that could drive in. I didn't even think of that. And I would have probably have guessed uh, Disco Inferno because he's local. He used to wrestle for Impact. So put two and two together um, and it would have been him. So uh, when I got the formats, he emailed me uh, beforehand and I saw the first thing I like, I didn't even care about that uh, first couple shows. I just saw the oh, Thanksgiving episode. Let's see who's wearing the, the turkey outfit. And I'm like, bam, Disco Inferno. I'm like, this is great. This, and it was his birthday that day, too. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, Glenn, he's just, he, he, he's awesome. I mean, he knows his role and stuff and he knows that how to be, you know, the butt end of a joke. And, um, I thought the match itself was like, what, a, a 25 minute long match. It was like half the episode. And there was like, you know, funny in there. There was seriousness. There was good action. Um, th- there was a little bit of everything in there. The ref got involved. It was a great match and that's just something fun that I like I like watching and it shouldn't be done all the time. It should be saved for like that type of show. Like Thanksgiving Day show. It's funny. We kind of put all the storylines aside and this is our show. So it, it was great. I loved it. Talk to me about your interaction with him off camera. Did you did you sit down? Did you talk to him? Because we talk about him in in glowing light here on this podcast. Yeah, I mean it was it was very professional. Like uh we had to film a lot of the you know, when they were drawing the names for who's going to be on whose team, uh, we did that. We had to film that. Uh, usually our call time's not until like noon. We had to start that at like 930. So we had to have everybody come to this one certain room because we had a lot to film those days. So we had to get it all out of the way. Um, so, you know, and I see him and, you know, I'd say I, I talked to him for a bit. And then uh, I was just going through. I had the format with me and just telling everybody, hey, you know, you're up after this person. We're going to film you after this person. Then I showed Glenn. I'm like, hey, this is kind of what they want you to say and he's like oh yeah text that to me really quick so i text it to him and i mean that, that it was just professional it was it was super professional stuff I asked how things were going and um he was only there for the one day i asked him hey you stopping by tomorrow and he's like i gotta work and stuff and okay he's like maybe after i'm done work and he didn't show up but it was great seeing him i mean um i, I was ex- I, I don't know if he's grown up a little bit because usually uh, back in the day disco would you know come into the locker room and then you just kind of sit there and wait and are like, oh, what, what, what stupid things are you going to say now? What funny thing? Yeah, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was none of that. He just kind of like, you know, and it's probably because he doesn't, he hasn't been in the locker room. He probably doesn't know anybody or is friendly with anybody there. Maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he's grown up. So it wasn't the same Glenn, but it was, it was really good seeing him again. That... I'm waiting for him. I'm like, I'm like kind of egg, egging him on. I'm like, all right, let's, let's hear something funny. No. That that might be one of the interviews I'm excited about. We'll have to set that up because we've interviewed some of the most coolest people, right? I mean, David Arquette, who we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, we've got the Young Bucks, Johnny Impact. We've also interviewed Johnny Mundo. We've also in, interviewed, uh, what? who else? Uh, John Morrison. We've also <laughs> interviewed yeah. John Hedigan. I mean... Yep. <laughs> Johnny Johnny Nitro, I think we did too. I'm not sure. Yep, yeah, Johnny Nitro. Uh, don't forget Johnny Raw and Johnny SmackDown. No, yep. But well, all the Johnnies, we... you, him, uh, you know, Jarrett. Which I, we're coming around to about a year now. We should reach out and have Jarrett back on and and see. I wonder. Uh, on a side note, before getting back to what I was saying, how different life is for Jeff Jarrett after going into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame. 
Um, I mean, if I had to guess, I would probably say not much. I mean, he's it, way to know, ruin it. W. I, I mean, I don't know. I would, I would think. I'm just guessing. Okay, I don't know. He could be like, oh, my whole life has changed and stuff, and I'm doing this, that, and the other thing. You know, I mean, he's still doing. I believe his, uh, uh, like global force wrestling and and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I still think he's doing his thing. Everything that he was doing beforehand. Uh, just now, he's just WWE Hall of Famer, Jeff Jarrett. Nice. And by the way, I'm going to give Impact some props here because one of the things I like that they're doing that I really loved and, once again, talked a million times about this on this podcast is the different sets. You know, I get tired of seeing the same Raw set every week. Then you go to a WWE pay-per-view and it's the same Raw set for that pay-per-view. When back in the day, you know... I think WCW was phenomenal at it. WWE did it some too. Was different pay-per-views. The set was so built different and had different themes that it it really did feel like a pay-per-view. Now it just feels like a, a Raw or a SmackDown with a different color theme. Yeah, and I mean now, you know, they used to have actual uh, physical props set up. And now it's like, okay, they have a different... Um, you know, uh, since their their LED Titantron, whatever it is, is so big. It used to just be one screen. Now there's sides on it, and you know it's all across, like huge. They just kind of decorate that with whatever graphic they want, probably because it's easier, more cost efficient. They could cut budget there, and it's you know same thing with Impact. I mean, hey, why have all these props out when we could just make a nice, cool screen and all that kind of stuff? Um, but yeah, I mean, I miss the props because I like to see like. Oh, you know, that was cool. Or, oh, they, you know, they're in England. They have one of the, you know, uh, England type buses or whatever with a lot of English. Stuff. I, I liked all that stuff. I did. But, you know, I mean, we're not living in that era anymore. There's a lot of stuff I miss about, um, you know, wrestling from, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, a lot of people have asked me to ask you about any updates on the TV contract, but I feel like I brought it up on this podcast just as you can say, I don't know. Uh, you'll find out when they do, probably. Yeah, the, the only thing that I read uh, on the internet was uh, something about, and I don't know how true this is. This is, again, me reading on the internet. I don't have, I'm not the guy that discusses TV contract um, with the TV providers. Um but it said something about sci-fi and true TV and WGN America, which is all great networks. I mean, I'm sure everybody listening to, you know, this podcast right now has heard of all those networks. Um, before I, I guess people listening to this, um, before they start watching impact, they probably never heard of pop. Cause I know I haven't before when, when impacts like, Hey, you're going to pop. I'm like, what's pop. I have to do some research on this sci-fi, you know, what's on sci-fi. Uh, Smackdown used to be on sci-fi. Uh, True TV, the big thing I watch on True TV is Impractical Jokers. Um, huge show. And then uh, WGN America. Is I mean, that was one Cubs. of the... Yeah, like that's... Uh, it, is, is that Boston or is that Chicago? Chicago. That's a Chicago one. Yeah, because I remember back when um, living in Canada, there was not a lot of channels. And then they had, oh, we have these four new super stations coming out, they're called, on our cable provider. This is many years ago. And one of them was like WGN. The other one was like TBS, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, maybe it was TBS. Uh, there was a Boston one, which was I don't remember what it was called, but I remember WGN being one of them. So they've been around for for quite some time as well. So I mean, land on any of those, uh, 
I feel would be beneficial to the company, in my opinion. If I had to rank them as a fan, I'd probably go WGM. I think WGM holds the bigger name value. They had the all-in pre-show, I believe. They had the Cubs on that channel. Uh, For the most part, great programming. Uh, You know, I might put Sci-Fi third, because I feel like if Impact went to Sci-Fi, they may have to adapt to a little bit more Sci-Fi-y kind of type of show. If that makes sense. And this just might be me as a fan speculating. Like, And, and I love the Alley stuff and the Demon Bunny and all that stuff. I think it's great. I'm, I'm not knocking it. But if you went to sci-fi, I'd worry that you would get a little bit more of that that might water down or change the fill of impact. Yeah, that's a possibility. Like when you look at like uh, – and I don't watch Lucha Underground. But, you know, I hear from guys that work for Impact that have worked for Lucha Underground – like Sammy Callahan said, and I don't know how true this is, but he was like, uh, after I watched the at Bound for Glory, when I watched the uh, Rosemary come back with the Sue Young and Allie, and there was like, uh, you know, she chopped her in the neck with an axe, and mm-hmm. like there was like uh, magic shooting out of hands, and I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. And then uh, Sammy said something like. Uh, yeah, I got, because uh, I said about the axe to the neck, I'm like, we almost killed somebody on our show. And he's like, hey, on Lucha Underground, he says, they killed me. And then I came back as a zombie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, So, you know, if Lucha Underground could do it and kind of pull it off, then, you know, if we adapt it a little bit, you know, and even like one, like, uh, like a Rosemary Sue or something like that, eh, that'd be fine for our sci-fi type, you know, just to appease the network. That's that's totally fine. I, th- I think it has its place in wrestling. People know that wrestling is, you know, predetermined and stuff. So why not just a little bit, you know, make it kind of a lot more, yeah. just a little bit more unrealistic. Maybe. Uh, I think then, but you brought up Lucha Underground. You do that, then maybe you feel like you're ripping them off a little bit more. Because yeah. that's, I think they're a TV show about a wrestling company was the way it was explained to me. And I think you and I were in the same room when someone was telling us about that. Let's move on. Uh, we haven't talked about this in the last couple of weeks, and I'm not sure why, but I'm glad we haven't. Uh, as you know, the David Arquette deathmatch thing happened, which... Uh, got rave reviews. I know it scared the poop out of David Arquette, and he's you know scaling back in his wrestling stuff. Uh, you know, I've talked to him. I I didn't want to have him on for this subject because I want this to be between me and you. And I kind of I know David, and I think I know he would probably take the politically correct line, whether he believed it or not. I don't know, but. He gets put in this situation, and I've seen some people starting to come out that say, you know, putting David Arquette in a death match, which is, you know, first of all, for the most experienced wrestlers and even over their heads. I, I'm not a death match guy, but you put David Arquette in that match. That's a promoter taking advantage of David Arquette, which that match was put in place to replace another match. Now, how how do you fall on this whole thing? Because you take a wrestler, you put him in a situation that's over his head. Uh, is it the promoter's fault? Is it the wrestler's fault? Which the wrestler probably wants to please the promoter. He's doing everything he can to be a, a good soldier. Doesn't want to have a reputation of saying no. Who who do you put the blame on? Let's say David Arquette got seriously hurt in this situation. 
do you blame David Arquette or do you blame the promoter? Hmm, that's a good question. See, now let's pretend his name is not David Arquette and he's just uh, some guy, right? Okay. Training to be a wrestler. At this point in his career, how much training he's had and where he's at and him still being green to the actual wrestling business, like actually working matches. Uh, if he wasn't David Arquette, if he was any other person at the same um, level of knowledge of where he's at right now in wrestling and his training, he, he wouldn't even be in a regular match, I don't think, let alone a death match. So, but since he's David Arquette, you kind of like push him through and be like, yeah, we can get you through a match. You know, we could have you work with some guys that not saying that David's bad because he, you know, I mean, he's We've looking pretty good in the ring. Yeah. But, you know, a, a regular person wouldn't have been in that, like somebody that's not David Arquette wouldn't be at that, uh, in that level or anything. So he's living off his name value. He knows that, but he's trying really hard to, to actually, you know, be a professional wrestler. So now you put him in this death match. I don't know who approached who. Okay. The promoter probably approached him and was like, hey, you want to be in this death match? And then, you know, so that's the promoter's fault. Like, David's too green to be able to know how to protect himself because all the guys he's wrestled so far, like I remember being at the Border City Wrestling Show, they walk through like his Hurricane Ranas and his dive off the top and stuff, making sure that he was safe and protected. Um, so you, you, the promoter's not putting David in a protected way unless like he's like, hey, you know, to whoever he wrestled, like, you know, let's walk through some stuff. Let's make sure we're careful and stuff like that and so on and so forth. And then it's David's fault to be in, like, you know, biting off more than he could chew as well. So it's a little bit of both. Like, there's no way he should, I feel like there was no way he should have been in that or they should have at least toned it down or made sure that, you know, he was taken care of. And I don't know if his opponent was like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if like, he even wanted to wrestle David Arquette. He was like, what am I doing? Like, this is a joke. You know, he should, like, I've been doing death matches for however many years. But now I have to wrestle David Arquette. How could he stand a chance against me? So maybe the guy that he wrestled was like, this is an insult to me. And he felt insulted. I don't know. So I don't know the whole situation. But I'd say it's a little bit of everybody's fault in that one. Boy, uh, I'm one of these people that I don't like to let someone off the hook you but in this situation i would put this squarely on the promoter as a fan outside guy looking in there's no way and you said at the beginning there's no way any any smart promoter would would put david arquette in this kind of situation knowing his experience i think this is a case of a promoter had a show uh one of his big name guys got injured and he had to fill something fast i i worry and maybe I'm going to take heat with saying this, but I feel like this promoter, whoever it is, put profits over people. And oh, yeah, most promoters do that. They're like, what's going to make like I've been involved in like, OK, I'll take it to uh, when Billy Corgan used to have his uh, wrestling promotion, that that resistance pro. Um, he's like, I want to do matches that people have never seen before. And there's usually a reason why people have never seen these matches, probably because they don't make sense. So the first match I was in, it was like me versus, oh, was it Colt Cabana? Or maybe Colt Cabana when he does his uh, alter ego uh, Matt Classic. Um, and I was in there with uh, Necro Butcher. Now, I mean, there's never going to be any circumstance where a high flyer like myself should be wrestling Necro Butcher, who's a deathmatch guy. But, you know, what's good is that Necro Butcher's been around for long enough where he, he can actually, you know, do professional wrestling moves and do a professional wrestling match. He can do that. 
Um, it's just his, his thing is uh, deathmatch. Now, if the promoter had said to us, like, hey, we're going to do a, a hardcore match, like Necro Butcher, I'd been like, no, man, that doesn't make sense. Like, Necro could do our style and go. But, I mean, that's a match that, like, you would, I don't know if anybody would even want to see it. It would be kind of awkward to, to, to see. And, um, and that's what we did. So, I mean, sometimes matches are made because promoters are like, man, this is so great. This, we've never seen anything like this. Um, you know, and it's a big marketing ploy and it, it worked because everybody was like, David Arquette in a death match. That doesn't make sense, but Hey, I got to see this. And then you saw what happened. I think it made news for all the wrong reasons. And, and I like David. And maybe that might be why I'm not coming down hard on him. But let, let's be honest. If someone came to me and said, hey, uh, let's, say, let, let's say Scott DeMore calls me for whatever reason. Not that Scott DeMore even knows my phone number. Scott DeMore calls me and says, hey, Dennis, I know you've been tagging along with PD. I know you're eager to do something, but I've got an idea for you. Scott, what is it? Uh what if Congo Kong picks you up and throws you into the audience? I go, I'm going to do it because a, uh, it's, it's a dream. I, you know, I don't want to become a wrestler. I've always wanted to be on the show. Let's not kid ourselves. I, I know I'm not qualified to be hurled through the air and caught. I don't know the first thing of how to maneuver my body. Do I need to put my legs up or tilt my head? Side? I don't know. But I'm not going to no. say no. So if Scott asks you to do that and say you get hurt, right? right? Wh- whose fault is that? I think that, that's the question. I think that would fall on. Uh, good point. God darn it. It's you. both of your faults, kind of, sort of. So he- here's the thing always in professional wrestling. So if Scott were to approach you with something like that, hey, hey Dennis, you know, we want. M- maybe you're already a character on the show or something, or, or you had whatever. And but you're not trained to wrestle. And you're like, hey, we're gonna have Congo Kong throw you in the crowd, okay? He'll probably say something like, first, he would never ask you to do that because that's ridiculous. But he'd probably ask you something like, do you feel comfortable with that? And then you <laughs> saying like, you don't want to say no because that's what happens in pro wrestling. You don't want to say no because you're trying to get in, right? Um, you don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, he's difficult to work with, even though it was a safety concern. So mm-hmm. you go, yeah, you know, I mean. Uh, you know, we'll walk through it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm all game, Scott. Great. So, you know, it's it's partially it would be Scott's fault because he puts you in a situation knowing that you're not going to say no, but he's still throwing it out there. Do you feel comfortable? And then when you do get hurt, well, he said he felt comfortable with it. So, you know, but it's also your fault for being like, hey, um, not not saying, hey, I don't feel comfortable with this. I feel like I might get hurt. So. Like I said, that's why I feel like well, in this wait. case with David Arquette, it's both of their faults. Like the promoter asking and David not going like, you know, he, well, he knows he's only got so many opportunities. Well, let me ask you so, this. Let me, let me ask you this. And I'm not putting words into David's mouth or trying to change the situation, right? What if Scott comes to me and says, hey, th- I think this would be cool. Do do you want to do it? And I go, well, Scott, I'm I'm not trained. I would love to do it, but I'm not trained. And Scott goes, don't worry, we'll take care of you. Now, is it still that's my different. fault? Is it yeah. S- now it's Scott's fault. Okay, that's that's and, and I don't know if that happened 
in the arcade. Yeah, we situation. don't know what happened. So right. That's why, that's why I'm like, I'm not putting the blame because we don't know how the conversation went. We don't know if the promoter was like, David, you got to do this, man. If you don't do this, everybody's going to think you're a wuss. Or, you don't know what happened. And David, you don't know if David approached him and be like, hey, man, I'll step in for that death match. Ah, and the promoter was like, I don't know, man. You know, And he's like, no, no, no. I think I could do it. You're like, we don't know what happened. So that's why it's there, it was a situation where I think, um, as it stands from us outsiders looking in, it was a little bit of everybody's fault. If we knew the whole situation, then we could like you know really point like you know figure out whose fault it was. Yeah, I'm gonna still say it's the promoter's fault because that's how I started this argument. Even though you've made a lot of great points here, and I just don't feel like I should change my point. Okay. You don't have to. <laughs> and if finally, before we go and uh, send this to the Young Bucks uh, interview, which I know everybody's waiting on, every word I say, they're like, all right already, can we move on? I just want to say congratulations to Tommy Dreamer, who now has his own podcast, PD, and I feel like this is a direct shot at you. It is. Yeah, he, he told me that. He texted me. He's like, hey, I have a podcast. It's better than yours. Um, and... I'm never going to be a guest on your podcast because I have my own podcast and I'm doing this in spite of you. And as soon as you quit your podcast, then I'll have nothing else to prove and I can quit mine. So that, that's what he said. I, I was reading that off of a text he sent me. It, now, um, is he going to invite you on his? <laughs> What's that? Is he going to invite you on his? <laughs> Probably not. He's going to be like, what, PD, you're not coming on my podcast. PD who? Yeah. What if we podcasted each other? At the same time, you ever see those uh, prank calls where, like, you have like uh, two, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Chinese delivery houses, and you put them on the phone with each other, and right. they're trying to order and stuff. I think there was like a, uh, like a prank call like that one time. What if we were podcasting at the same time as Tommy? I was Tommy's guest, and Tommy was also our guest, and we just always ask questions back and forth, and we never get answers. That'd be hilarious. It's called a simulcast. It's called a simulcast. Yes, but isn't isn't there like a, in a simulcast? Isn't there an actual guest and you take turns? Take or, or that is that not right? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's two okay. networks airing one product, and however they do it, they do it. We should look into that. Uh, do you do you have anything to promote? I actually do. Uh, well, you know what? What's funny is for some reason I don't know why this got in my head, but I I activated my instagram account um i'm trying to again uh i'm trying to think why i I did that i don't know if somebody brought up something and then i said um i think my brother-in-law my brother-in-law was talking about instagram at uh, thanksgiving and i said you know what i said let let me get back on this just like that it was at thanksgiving dinner and then i i just signed back in and then i posted i think uh, a couple pictures since uh since last week and uh yeah, excited to be back on Instagram. No, oh, congratulations. I was recently uh, asked to be a guest on the podcast. If you guys Ooh. get a chance, go check it out. It's Revisionist Booking. It's actually a really cool thing, Petey, where you take an old pay-per-view, uh, you, you talk about the world of wrestling around it, and then you rebook that pay-per-view using the people who were on that show. Which, which uh, one did you guys do? Oh man, it was uh, WWE 1996 uh, King of the Ring, I believe. That was the famous Austin 316 line. Oh, uh, how, how do you? That'd be okay. In my so, if I was 
if I was rebooking that, I wouldn't rebook it because that was, uh, you know, the, the start of the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, I mean, but, how do you rebook I, that? Can I tell you something? You yeah. and I have not talked about this until right this second, right? Yeah. I might have been the worst podcast guest ever because when they were asking me to rebook it, I said, I'm not touching any of the King of the Ring tournament stuff because that was perfect. Yeah, I mean... I know, right? So I'm sure yeah. they were like, what? Oh, come on. Well, I mean, how do you do it? It was like uh, Jake the Snake, who was like recovering, you know, alcoholic and... Bible you know, when you Yeah, Bible because of the AA stuff. And then Stone Cold said, hi, 316, you know, Bible rep. Like, I mean, it was almost like, I don't know if they were... That's what WWE was going for, but that's what they got out of it. And then Stone Cold was born. So, I mean, how do you really touch that? And I mean, there was only... Uh, four people at that point um, on the show. So, I mean, it, Stone Cold against, uh, I don't remember who his opponent was against. And then on the other bracket, it was uh, I Jake the, the Snake and whoever. So, I mean, the first you, you can't match, really rebook that. The first match, because Stone Cold wrestled twice that night, he opened the show wrestling uh, Mark Marrow. Okay. And then he wrestled, boy, I want to say maybe that was it. I, I don't quite remember off the top of my head now. But that... It's a very cool podcast if you guys get a chance. And then tomorrow night, Friday night, if you get a chance, I will be a guest on Wrestle Talk in the D, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, go to blogtalkradio.com, Wrestle Talk D, I believe it is, or just Google it. But I'm the guest, and I'll probably tweet out a leak or something after that's done. So I'm excited. People are starting to ask me to come on their podcast now. No, that's great. That's man, that's good. That's what you wanted, right? So I mean, we're there. All right. So should we give the fans what they want? Yeah, I mean, that's what we usually do here on this podcast anyway. So uh let's give them what they want. All right, Petey. Here we are, wrestling perspective, what everybody has been waiting for. I gotta be honest with you, Pete. You have outdone yourself today. Hey, this this one's like probably oh, I'm so excited. This is my favorite like guests to have on right now not one but we got both of them two of the best guys in the business right now um nick and matt the young bucks man how you guys doing good man good man what a sweetheart first of all holy crap <laughs> i love yeah, you we, guys we like we, we like uh we like being put over so that's yeah. perfect now now i don't regret taking this phone call man oh you will <laughs> see it's perfect that you guys said that because okay this is what I got to say. So you, you guys have this, like, arrogance about you, but it, it's done in a way that makes people, uh, like, not hate you. That actually makes them, like, like you even more. And that's, that's super rare in the business. And I, I, <laughs> see what I mean? And that's why I love hanging out with you guys. It's a tr- yeah, we, we do it as a joke, but half, half thinking uh, it's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked myself into a shoot at this point because I think at first it was kind of me working, but now it's just become my personality. So, like, my wife will be like, what would you just say to me? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. i got to cut it off. i got to shut it off. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. You can't do that at home. All right. Well, so, all right. With all that being said, now, I, so I, I retired, like, through, when you guys got super popular, I was retired for three years. Like, I saw you guys at, like, House of Hardcore, and then all of a sudden I come back three years oh, yeah. later, and you guys are, like, like the, the biggest thing on the wrestling scene anywhere. Um, so, like, what was that? Oh, what happened? What was the turning point, like, where, where it just happened? To me, it looked like an overnight success, success, but you guys were, like, I know, building towards this. So what was the big turning point? Yeah. 
I think it was the Bullet Club uh, because as soon as that happened, things just exploded for us. Uh, everyone wanted to book us, and uh, our price went up. The merchandise went crazy. I I, uh, I feel like Bullet Club was the uh, the first thing that helped out. Yeah, if I'm if I'm gonna add to it, I think I mean I think yeah, New Japan was going through this really this strong point where people were kind of discovering it. And once we uh, went to Japan, we kind of took our independence uh, fans from the U S uh, with us to Japan. Oh, did we lose the call? No. Okay. We're nope. still here. We're here. Okay. <laughs> they gave me a look like I'm like, what <laughs> I'm driving by the way right now. But, but yeah, I think, I think the new Japan thing happened. And then, and then like things like pro wrestling tees really helped uh, escalate what we look like as, as stars perception wise, getting into hot topic, getting our own Funko pops, you know, like it was just, a, it was really a, a collection, a series of, of really fortunate events that, that helped uh, spark things. And, and we just so happened to have like a really strong body of work in those three years, I think like, and a lot of people talked about our matches and, 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 and social media got really popular, I think during that time. And we knew to utilize that as, a lot of things like Nick and I never really, really quit. Like once we we felt it getting bigger, we just put our our, our foot on the gas yeah. and we never stopped to this day. You know, and That's true. and we're just very fortunate, man. Like uh, that things have worked out the way it has. Right like place, right time. Yeah, yeah. Pete, I I want you to ask your next question because you've got to knock this out because this is a fight Pete and I have every day when it comes to booking this podcast. What, what what's the question? Well, Pete, how uncomfortable you are with asking oh, your yeah. friends. <laughs> That's right. So, hey guys, I always feel like I don't know how you guys are, but I always feel like super weird when I ask my friends and other wrestlers to be a guest in my podcast. Um, I always feel like I'm, I'm bothering them. So, do you guys feel the same way when you guys ask uh, like the other guys to be on Being the Elite? Oh yeah. Definitely, definitely. Same feeling, I believe. Uh, I don't know. It's always weird asking uh, for uh, favors from friends. And yeah. you know how wrestlers are. We're we're all we're all weird. We all have yeah. that same mentality. But but when it comes down to it, if you're friends with them, he'll do it. You know what I mean? And, right. And that's the way the business works. Like right. Like you you do a good thing for someone that that's a good guy, and, and it all kind of comes around and goes around, and like. It's kind of like how it works in Hollywood, too. You know what I mean? Like, as far as working with your friends and doing movies together, or doing each other's podcasts or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's a favor, but it, it, it also does something for us as well. Like, we get to tell our story. We get to communicate with you. We haven't talked to you in who knows how long. Probably the last time we saw you at ROH, you know? And so yep. it, it, it's fun, man. But I totally get like, You get that weird feeling in your stomach. Like, oh, I got to ask for something. Like, but 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 really, like if it's someone you like and you're friends with them, man, it's the least we like, we can do for each other. Let's help each other out, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. So that leads into my next question for you guys on being elite. At what point in your show run did it pick up from where you were asking wrestlers to come on to wrestlers coming up to you guys and saying, "Hey, do you have a spot for me on your show?" <laughs> oh, that's a good question. What would you say? Like, oh man, uh, <laughs> yeah, well. Probably around that, and uh, the first guy to do it was uh, Marty uh, Skrull. Uh, he noticed that it was gaining a lot of momentum, and he uh, started riding with us. 
all around the uh, Ring of Honor uh, cities. And uh, so he was probably the first guy who uh, asked me to be on the show. Yeah, but he did it kind of, he did it sneakingly though. So we were like, wait a minute, do you want to actually be our friend or are you just trying to get on our, on our YouTube show? <laughs> and, uh, and then from that point, like, like in the 50s, the show started getting popular and it became kind of, uh, at first it was like, people would roll their eyes and be like, ah, these guys are filming again. To when it got popular, everyone was like trying to get into a, on, a, on the shots. Like, can I be on the shot? Can I be on a PT? Like we would have people just say, hey, you know, if you have any ideas for me, that'd be great. I'd love to be on the show. And to the point now, it's like we have to duck into rooms because a lot of the boys come up to us and they're pitching ideas to be on the show. So it's like, it's become like, we're, we're the creative team. And and people are coming up to us and pitching us creative ideas just to be on our, our silly web series. Oh, but dude, uh, I, it, I it's totally fun. get that. We, we, we pick up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, people see that if you go on our show and we give you, you know, a nice little story arc for 10 episodes, it actually really helps. Like, yeah. it, it helps the viewer get to know who you are, you know? Like, you're not just a, a guy ring doing moves anymore, performing moves. Now they know a little bit more about you. And uh, that's what we've done with the show is we've kind of highlighted our character's personality. Yeah, Flip Gordon is a perfect example of that. Uh, he's uh, he's probably benefited the most off the show because he was uh, well unknown, what, two years ago, and he started going on our show and everything went up for him. And he gives us a lot of credit for that. And he's been great to work with. And how about Hangman Page? He's another guy. Or, or even like SCU, like, with Daniels and Kazarian, it's like they've had a career resurgence because of this show. Yeah. So it's like, I, I feel like we're just giving these guys the platform, but they're going out there and they're the ones killing it and with their dialogue and their acting or whatever they're doing with their, their ideas for their bits. And, and, and it's like a collaboration, man. Like we have so much fun doing the show and it's really become like uh, the highlight of our, our career. We have more fun doing that than wrestling now. <laughs> I don't blame you. Man, not even being on the elite Pete would help you get back over. I, no, hey, I'm not even gonna. Who says I'm I'm not over, Dennis? You, um, you can't even get booked anyways. on Impact. Oh. Hey, you uh, write so, the show. Hey, yeah. So speaking of which, hey, how about you guys just like you know, since we're speaking open right now, you know, just drop everything you guys are doing and just come back to Impact, man. Like you know, I, I'm working there again, Sanjay. Come, just come back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, but, hey, no, seriously. Uh, what happened? Uh, I, I, I know. I mean, I, I remember. Remember uh, the match of the the night, the match of the century. Me and Sanjay against you two, probably a match that nobody saw. We just did everything in that match. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that's right. That's a forgotten match, man. Yeah, I, man. I, I don't even know if I've ever seen it back, but man, we did everything possible in that what ten minute match. It's hard for those, yeah. those one night only shows. Nobody really. Song, you know what I mean? No. Hey, but what happened, like, uh, with your uh, impact run? Like, what, what was like? H- how did it end? I don't, I don't even know because I wasn't there when it happened. How did it all end for you guys? Um, they uh, so they split us up, and we became a singles act for like two months, and mm. then for no reason at all, we we got back together, and nothing was explained by it. And after that, Matt and I were like, oh, these guys don't care about us at all. So we felt like at that point, the writing was on the wall for us. And 
at that place. And so we were thinking, hey, maybe we go uh, elsewhere and come back here uh, when, uh, and then they'll take us serious. That was our thoughts at the time, but uh, it, it was just a little bit of, of everything that, yeah, we had run bad deals too. Like yeah. it was our first contract we'd ever signed. So we've learned a lot since then, but yeah. it was the first contract we'd ever been offered. So immediately, without negotiating, we just signed it blindly, and it was a bad deal. And basically, we were getting paid per appearance, and they they decided to sit us at home for a very long period of time, which meant we were literally making zero dollars some months. I remember uh, some weeks. They would fly uh, one of us in uh, that wasn't even working on the show, and so we would be in Florida and not being paid because they forgot to book us. That's right. But they would have us fly there, and we're like, wait a minute, I'm flying here. Doesn't that count as work? And they were like, nope, you got to be on TV to make money. So there was, there was a few times where we flew there and didn't get paid. Yeah, it was, there was just, and it's different now, obviously, the whole team's changed. And it's a different structure, but back then it was a mess, man. We didn't know who's in charge of what. I had to keep getting on uh, Terry Taylor, who was talent relations at the time. I had to keep getting on his case every couple weeks, like demanding where where my check was. I had to pay rent, and my checks weren't coming on time. It was just bad. And we were at the point where we were like, "Listen, we're young. We know we're good. We need to leave this place because it's obviously not working out here." And like Nick said, maybe maybe we can come back here in a couple of years and, and they'll see more value in us and we can sign a better deal this time. It was our the best decision we ever made. Though, because I remember the next year we had made more money just doing the independence than we did the TNA contract. So. You know, we, we spoke there on low times. I just want to talk about the high times because you guys are probably one of the linchpins here in changing the independent scene. This is probably, if you look back and compare it to any other year, this might be from independence to the top promotion, the best year ever in wrestling. You, you, a lot of people, you know, tweet, text, uh, you know, send you emails about when are you going to the WWE? And that's not going to be my question. My question for you is the, the more that you grow the young bucks legend through everything else. And the more that you have control, do do you know it in the moment of, of what you're doing to the landscape of independent wrestling? Or is it some, but something when somebody comes up to you guys and said, can you believe because of you guys, you know, now everybody can do all this amazing stuff. Right. Uh, man, like, it's hard to take it all in because we're currently living through it, right? So, like, you don't really know the exact effects. Like, you can feel it because, you, like you said, the fans tell you and the boys tell you and and, and you read about it. And, it and it's humbling, but at the same time, you really it's hard to accept and hard to know really how giant the impact has been. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like we're pretty self-aware of what we've come to cultivate and create these past couple of years, especially because we're kind of at the forefront of this. And I think, I think a lot of the boys and a lot of, a lot of fans, they look like, they look to my brother and I as, as a symbol of hope that, Hey, anyone can do it. If these two guys can do it. Cause we had our struggles and ups and downs and we never had to really go sell out to a big corporation. We did it DIY, you know, like it, it, I feel like we're a big symbol for doing it yourself for, for, for getting the job done and never having to actually go to someone and say, listen, and convince that guy, hey, I'm good. We just convinced ourselves we were good. You know what I mean? And that's that's a powerful thing to have. Like, 
for, for entrepreneurs, for people who are deciding to possibly start their own businesses, like people text me, tweet me every day and say, your story has given me hope and I just quit my miserable job that I hated for years and I'm going to go into business for myself because of what you have done. And like when I hear stories like that, I just, it blows me away. I'm just like, wow, like that, that's the impact that I wanted to leave on, on professional wrestling. Like in the beginning, it was, I just want to have a great match. I want to have the best match. Now it's become so much more than that. We're, we're, we we're, we're change the rest of it. We want to, and we talk about being the elite and we want to, we want to change the world. And that's what we mean. We want to change the world for a, for a positive. We want to make it a better place. We want to, we want to teach people and show people you can truly do anything on your own. Like we have a children's book and we say you can be elite at anything if you have a big heart, right? Like you can like, and, and it's funny because you hear that your whole life from, from, from adults and, and people who have made it quote, quote, you know, quote, unquote, make it, make it. And we've, we've made it and we've done it without, you know, like I said, having to, to, to go corporate and, to, and going to sell out. Like we've done it. And, and I think that we, we've had such a, a positive influence on, on the boys that, that if we were to go now at this point, I don't know if that would kill the boom or, or, or crush the dreams of, of, of people, even if they don't realize it. Like, I, I think we do realize we, we give them hope. And I think if we, if, if we did something like that now, I don't know how that, that would impact the industry. I think people would kind of be let down. I, I actually agree. We talked about this a few months ago when the rumors were hot and heavy about you guys jumping ship and going somewhere else. And I kind of said that you guys have become cult legends and it's almost uh, like Bob Dylan in his heyday where all of a sudden Bob Dylan's do, doing these amazing folk songs and tomorrow you find out that he's signed a you know huge record deal and he's doing you know massive stadiums now that your fan base... And this is, I'll be delicate the way I, I say this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your fan base might be kind of fragile, built on the, you know, we're, we're the working man's man, that when you go to a larger corporation or sell out or go corporate, that they may not follow you there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We're speculating. We, we noticed oh, yeah. a lot of fans returning on us because I think, I think, like you said, like, they look to us as influencers as a sign of hope. So when rumors start circulating all, and they still are, to be honest about us going elsewhere, it it breaks their hearts. And and, and it concerns us too. We don't want to make the uh, wrong, uh, the wrong decision decision on what we do career wise. And we're always thinking about our fans because that's how we've gotten to this, this point of our career. It makes us really think though. It's like, well, do you like us mostly because we don't work there and you wouldn't, therefore you wouldn't like us if we went and worked there. And like, what's the main reason you like us? And I think a lot of it is the rebel in people, the pe- people see us as the rebels, right? Like they see us as the guys that are different. And if you go there, then do we just become like everybody else? Pete, I know I've got one more question. How about you? I just got one more, just kind of with that. So let's, let's, if, if I was in your shoes, not that you guys need advice from me, but we're just talking, <laughs> rolling a car right now, talking, okay? Uh, so I, would, I would, if I was you guys, I would play it the way kind of AJ Styles played it. You know, AJ Styles is older. He's kind of at the end of his career. He's already done everything he could do, uh, minus the WWE. Yep. If I were you guys, I would, I would play everything you can, uh, do everything you can on your own, and 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 build that, and then that would just give you more fuel. 
if or when or whenever it is you go to WWE uh, and you get kind of like, okay, I'll finish off in WWE. That way they can put me in the Hall of Fame, sign me to a Legends contract, and I'm set for life. But what leads me to my next question, let's say all that happens, right? And, and now you're done professional yeah. wrestling, all right? Do you see yourself, after you're done physically wrestling, still being in the business, doing like, like for example, not that I'm done wrestling, but I, I'm, I'm helping produce at Impact now. Do you see guys still see yourself like doing something in the business after you're done wrestling? Yeah, I I think we're uh, we we're so deep into it that it would it would almost be impossible for us to escape it. So I'm definitely gonna be interested in some type of other job within wrestling. Yeah. Uh, traveling wise, though, I think I only got ten years in me left to do it full-time like I am doing it, but I can definitely see myself doing something behind the scenes. I don't know if Matt yeah, I like the same way. I think that the pace we've been going for the past, I mean, we've been doing this 15 years now, but at this rate, the way we've been doing it, every, like being on the road as much as we are and doing the matches that we've been doing, what, seven years? Like, I don't know how much longer I can do it this way. Um, there'll come a point where I want a lighter schedule, uh, and maybe do a couple matches a year or whatever. But I could, I could definitely see Nick and I being a part of a creative team or, or helping direct or produce. I, I, I think, like Nick said, we're so far down this thing, and the disease is fully taking over my body. I'm a professional wrestler, and I love the business. It's what I love, and it's my passion. So I, I definitely see us being involved probably for the rest of our lives in some capacity. Yeah. As far as physically out there taking the bumps, man, I, right now if you ask me, because I, I have like my neck bother me, I go, ah, maybe five years. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. know, we'll see. I guess it depends on how uh, we stay for the next uh, several years. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up with a question that I know is going to be difficult to answer and talk about, but everybody listening is wants me to ask this question so we're gonna try to work around this as best as possible what you guys can talk about you're under contract but you recently filed patents for all elite wrestling uh let's what can we talk about here about that because you're under contract and it's a tricky situation well we when we did our first show uh all in last september we closed the show, and not one person left the building. And I remember speaking on the mic. It felt so special, and it, and it felt like it felt like more than just a wrestling event. It felt like a religious experience. And I remember asking the fans, "Do you want, do you want more of this? Would would you want more of this in an uproar? Right? Like they, you could just feel it." movement it, yeah. it's become a revolution like it, it is a movement so like we knew like that night we sat and as a group and we talked about the possibility of doing another one of course you do right like after you have a hit movie you talk about the sequel so immediately we talked about doing another one and uh i think right then and there we knew so in some capacity there would be another one eventually we didn't know if it would be a year from now, three years, five years, ten years from now. We didn't, we didn't know. But we knew that eventually it would happen because we had so much damn fun doing it. So basically, we're in a situation now where 
we don't exactly know what we're going to do, but we want to protect ourselves in case we decide to do something, right? Like, we want to be proactive, and we want to get ahead of this thing. We're all, Cody all said, said on the mic, that we're all sticking together, and we're going to do this thing as a unit. So whatever we do decide to do, we, 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 we absolutely are going to do this as a team. We're going to do this as the elite, you know, and it's going to be an interesting 2019, man. Yeah. Like, like uh, Matt hasn't said, but uh, we literally, we have offers on the table from, hell, I'll say it, from every major company in the world. So, and then there's investors that want to work with us, too. So there's still a lot to be discussed about. Uh, we haven't said really no to anything. So we're just keeping our options open and uh, protecting ourselves at the same time. One last right. one last question, and feel free, let's, because this is recorded, you don't have to answer this. But I'm going to take my shot here. What has Ring of Honor's stance been? Have they been trying hard to push you? Are they accepting and like, hey, look, you're, you're more than welcome to do all this stuff. Where does Ring of Honor, you've had to have talks with them. What is that relationship like now after yeah. the patents are fi- filed? They've been 100% great and supportive, and I can't say enough good things about about Joe Coff. Uh, I mean, they, they let us run our own event while we were under contract last year. Uh, and I'll say this, they're still, uh, still very active in uh, trying to negotiate with us to stay. Right. I, I think as far as the ROH part of this is concerned, we've made our decision up, and I don't really want to give that away either because, we have a huge uh, storyline on our show, Being the Elite. But I don't want to give away spoilers. That we, we, know, we all get these timers that are going off. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't say man, I can't say enough good things about them. Like, these past few years has been the greatest uh, time of my career. Oh, for sure. And it doesn't even come close. And it's because of them letting us like, basically let our hair down and, yeah. and, and do whatever we wanted. And, and they've stood by us. So uh, they've been incredible partners. And uh, whatever happens at, you know, on January first, I'll, I'll I'll never uh, I'll never take that away. All right. Well, I I can't wait for when you guys show up on Impact next week. Uh, spoiler alert! But uh, no, I'm, just, I'm joking. Um, no, but all seriousness, guys. Hey, who, uh, yeah. What the hell knows, man? Yeah, you just don't know. Um, who the hell knows? But guys, thank you so much, Dennis and I, and especially I'm I'm very grateful you guys. I was able to shoot the breeze with you guys, and you guys took the time to. Uh, you know, come on here and talk wrestling with us. We just love talking wrestling. And uh, But uh, what do you guys have uh, to promote um, so, that, you know, our fans can follow you and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, obviously, our T-shirts are over at uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash youngbucks. Um, we just put out a new children's book that's available and in, in, in some of the hot topics available. I have it on my Twitter, but we also have merchandise at Hot Topics. And spoiler alert, we uh, we will be at the uh, final day of the tag tournament over in Japan uh, next week. Ooh, wow. that's exciting. And giving away all the good stuff. Yeah, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm a loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Right. I love it. Well, yeah. Well, hey, there you have it, guys. So, um, thanks again so much, guys. Uh, enjoy the rest of your drive, and uh, 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 hopefully, I'll get to see you guys uh, around soon. <coughs> Impact Wrestling. Um, take it easy, guys. Yeah.
Thanks, boys.